for more information on how they can help you. Hi, this is George Stevens Jr. You're listening to TV Confidential with Ed Robertson, who's a, such a great interviewer. <laughs> well, I uh, thank you very much. <laughs> Ed Robertson welcoming you back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television. Tony Figueroa is here with us for the hour along with our friend Joseph Doherty. Joe Doherty, Emmy Award winning writer, producer, director of such shows as 30-something, Judging Amy, Once and Again, Saving Grace, and Pretty Little Liars, Joseph Doherty, also an accomplished playwright. His award-winning play, Chester Bailey, premiered at the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco with the distinguished actor David Strathairn in the lead role. Chester Bailey also was produced at the Contemporary American Festival at Shepherd University in Shepherdstown, Virginia, while Joe's play, Digby, was produced by the Manhattan Theater Club, where it earned nominations from both Drama Desk and the Outer Critics Circle. If that's not enough, Joseph Doherty also wrote the libretto for the Tony Award-winning musical version of My Favorite Year, which was presented at Lincoln Center. Joseph Doherty has also written several books, the most recent of which, A Screenwriter's Companion, is due out this fall, although we will tell you how you can pre-order that in just a second. Joe Doherty, always good to have you on our program. Thank you, Edward. That was very kind of you. I'm sorry that the, my credits left. No time for any further discussion. <laughs> <laughs> also here with us is our friend Dan Farron. Dan Farron, writer, producer, and fellow Colombo aficionado, as is Joseph Doherty. Dan Farron has written several one-person shows, co-authored an award-winning play, and has performed stand-up all over California. He, along with Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen, is one of the producers of Story Salon, Southern California's longest-running, regularly performing live storytelling ensemble, which recently returned to live, in-person performances correct uh, we're just about to we're just about yeah. to go back okay all right well in the meantime there are videos of previous story salon gatherings via zoom as well as um some from recent years available at the uh, story salon youtube page dan also good to have you back i'll listen it's great to be back and actually uh if you can't get any of those stories we'll be more than happy to come to your house and do it that's it, it, we need to get back and practice again, uh, you know. But it's wonderful to be here talking about something that uh, I haven't been this excited in a long time to be able to talk uh, about Colombo. In that case, we have something that will make you even more excited. Also joining us, and we are very happy that uh, we are able to make this possible, is our friend David Koenig. David's latest book, Shooting Colombo, The Lives and Deaths of TV's Rumpel Detective, provides a blow-by-blow account of the making of both the original Columbo series on NBC and the return of Columbo on ABC throughout the 1990s. David's book provides a treasure trove of behind-the-scenes production information from a host of sources, including information on the constant changes in scripts, Peter Falk's endless battle with Universal and both NBC and ABC over the production of the series, a fun look 
how the various locations in Beverly Hills, all the great Columbo mansions were chosen, both on the original series and on the ABC series, plus the answers to such burning questions as what was Columbo's first name, or did Columbo have a first name at all? David Koenig, welcome back to our program. Thank you. Oh, God, i got to get that book. That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) I understand it's also available in audio book very soon. So we'll we'll tell people about it as well. We will, uh, as you you may have gathered, folks, especially since we began the program by playing the theme to the NBC mystery movie, we are going to talk about both the original Columbo and the ABC Columbo, but... Before we dive into that, for those who are not aware, it is very, very, very difficult to get a working producer like Joe Doherty to do a program such as ours simply because, like most accomplished producers, Joe is busy. Joe is busy writing or producing or developing projects for television or the stage. So let me just start off, Joe, by saying, Thank you for always making the time to visit our program. Oh, well, you know, I, I've had to delay changing the toilet paper roll in the lower bathroom. <laughs> but, but I wanted to make sure. Well, thank you. I, I, that's very kind of you, because actually this is kind of a, a really fun way to talk seriously about about something frivolous. And and i I got to tell you, I'm just, I'm, this is great to be able to, to thank David for the book. Because I think Dan and, and Antonio agree, this is a book we've been waiting for for a very long time. And we hate you for that. <laughs> because, because it's the primary takeaway for me from, from reading the book was, oh my gosh, this thing was made by people. And sometimes people can be jerks, but they can do great work together. And that was the astonishing takeaway for me was the was the amount of detail, particularly in who wrote what, how scripts were done, some of the casting we didn't see, and in some cases I'm glad we didn't see. <laughs> but again, yeah. So we're just I'm really glad to, to see you here because I think it's a great book. It's a great addition to the library of anybody who's interested in television. And I'm so glad you you include the ABC movies because I don't think they get enough respect. Well, thank you, Joe. That's very nice. There's one more thing I want to say, then we'll, then we'll jump into it. I also want to point out that Joseph Doherty is responsible for creating one of my all-time favorite moments in the history of TV Confidential. Tony, you were there. Dan, I believe you were there as well. Um, this was several years ago. Joe was very gracious enough to come by in person after a long day at the studio. And he had a lot going on, and and on this particular day, he was more or less running on fumes by the time he got here. At one point, we were talking about the current crop of network TV shows. I don't remember the context, but we were talking about current shows on television. And Joe being somewhat punchy at the moment, he said something to the effect of, I have no idea what's on network TV right now. Is Dundee and the Culhane still on? <laughs> Which I I is thought it, I was the is only. It, is it still on? It is. It is. Is it still on? I, it is. 
it's I know on. They moved it around a little bit in the schedule, but no, it's on. It's 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 on YouTube or it's on one of the YouTube channels. I thought I was the only person who knew about Dundee and the Colhane. It was one of the. It was it was one of it those. Was the most obscure thing I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> But it was it it it, it was it, again for for me personally is one of my favorite moments in doing this. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that show. Thank you. I, I, I'm still I'm working on the same fumes and I'm still punchy. Well, we're glad that uh, we're we're making this happen today. Joseph Doherty is with us via Zoom along with David Koenig, Joe Doherty. Emmy Award-winning writer, producer, director, and playwright, while David Koenig is the author of such books as Shooting Columbo, The Lives and Deaths of TV's Rumple Detective. Dan Farron of Story Salon is also with us, along with Tony Figueroa. We're glad you're with us as we take a deep dive into both the original Columbo from NBC and the ABC Columbo from the late 80s, early 1990s. Shooting Columbo by David Koenig, available wherever books are sold, as well as Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, wherever books are sold online. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. We mentioned this off mic. We may have mentioned this in the beginning. Joe, you recently started revisiting the ABC Columbos. Was that something that came about because of COVID, or was that something you just realized I hadn't watched those in a while? It came about mainly because we ran out of the... We couldn't watch the original 75, I think. We ran out of the NBC shows, and and I had not a very clear memory the of the ABC movies, which actually started when 30-something was still on the air. So we kind of like... I shared a network with them for, for at least a little while. I think there's some good pieces in there and they're not as uniformly great as the NBC shows are but I th- I think there's some really great episodes in there and I think one of the reasons that there's a such a good run on them is because of the return of Patrick McGowan both in front of and behind the camera although I'm sure he irritated people well, Beverly and I talk about when there are multiple <laughs> Beverly and I talk about multiple people who get to come back and be a villain more than once and 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 Beverly, my, my my lovely wife and fellow aficionado, and we talk about, gee, do you think it was good? And I said, I have a funny feeling. If if Falk didn't like you, you didn't go back. Was it the villains that you like? The villains that you see multiple times are people he liked working with, and and unfortunately, that might have been irritating everybody else on the set. I think the McQueen show, both the NBC shows and the ABC shows are among the best. And it's, actually, it's one of the parents as a bag of monkeys, but I really love Last Salute to the Commodore. <laughs> yeah, I know there are four or five people who agree with you. <laughs> yes. Well, we're going to have the four of us together, and we'll all cram in the car <laughs> to, drive over, to drive over to the marina. Uh, <laughs> but I get, it's like, it's interesting to watch different directors. I, I wish you talked a little more about James Frawley, because I think he had an impact on the show, too. But, I mean, the Columbo of Peter Falk has lasted and still has his interest because it's really quite unique. It's 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 an inverted mystery. Oh, by the way, should we tell people we're going to spoil so much during the course of this conversation? <laughs> we're we're going to be talking about – we're not going to be talking about who did it. We're going to talk about how did it and why the shoes were important. All of which is covered in David's book, Shooting Columbo. I know there was some great, there's some amazing stuff in there in, in terms of like like hiding, like what were the best clues? I, I just I kind of defend 
And again, David, you, you make a you, you come to a reasonable conclusion at the end of the book that basically this show probably couldn't function the in the context of what police procedurals have become, which is in one part a shame, but at the same token says it just works so well. It was in a weird way, it was never a procedural; it was always a puzzle. Um, and I think even, you know, Levinson, Lake and everybody said, well, you know, it would have been rough to get a lot, it would have been rough to get a conviction on a lot of these clues. <laughs> but because it's inverted, because they were longer, they were 73 minutes in the hour and a half ones, anywhere an hour and 30 minutes for the two hours. There's so much texture in the episodes. There's so much almost wonderfully unnecessary interplay between Falk and other characters. And in some cases, it's interesting to read in the book how some of it is basically as well, we're short. So <laughs> Cohen will do this scene. I think what people love, always loved about the show, what I've always loved about the show, was, was the texture of it and the right up front class warfare that powers almost all of them. Except for that one expanse of blue shag carpet that shows up in every rich person's house. Um, I don't think they date terribly. And they're just so much, they're just, they are a, just a world unto themselves. And they're, and they're friggin' glorious. Um, and even the cat likes it. Um, my, my friend Ann Hamilton and I would talk about this. We would have loved to have just, also I was astonished to find out some of the classic episodes were not staff written episodes. They were freelance pitches. And I've forgotten who is it? Oh God. It, oh, I think it's uh I think it's a Donald Pleasant's episode. That was like a that was like it was a Larry Cohen story. And they pitched it to and they pitched it to a freelance writer who said, Oh yeah, I can do that. And then he asked his wife what the show was about because he'd never seen it. Yeah, that was a, a Stanley Ralph Ross, a, a Batman writer. Yeah, but the idea that the idea that Stanley Ralph Ross sat down and wrote uh, any old port in a storm in two weeks, it just it it makes me move to the back of the class a little bit. It's astonishing yeah. that those things were written that fast by by not a staff, but the people who were there, Canal and Bochco. There they are, cutting their teeth. And I'm wearing my car shirt. I can't, you can't see it on my yeah. nose. I am wearing it no. So, I, I don't know. I could, I, could, I could gush about the show. I, they're the ones I like, and the NBC, the, I'm sorry, the ABC shows I like, uh, Smoke and Mirrors, which I think James Rowley directed. Um, That's with Fisher, uh, Fisher Stevens, right? Yeah. With Fisher, with Fisher Stevens, uh, Murder on the Agenda, which... Uh, that's that's Patrick McGowan in and directing. I like Ashes to Ashes. Um, I, I I like too many notes more than you do, David. I I, I kind of like. Let's see other places. You can't stand that eight minute driving home scene, and I'm oh, just sitting yeah. there eating popcorn. <laughs> oh, <really? Okay. laughs> but the the main thing is, I mean, I. I'm, that Dan and Tony can resume the gushing, but um, I, I always defend Columbo when people try to make it, when people try to lump it with 70s television and 70s detective shows when it was, you know, and again, <laughs> wonderful 
a wonderful thing in your book is talking about the ratings. It's talking about how how other networks would gun for the Columbo episodes by putting on big movies, but they couldn't quite pull it off. Dan, gush. Yes. It's your turn. Um, Dan, well, Dan uh, Farron, who is wearing a Columbo uh, shirt as we speak. Yes, yes, I'm wearing a Colombo T-shirt, by yes, the way. He's holding it up uh, to the I camera. especially for this. I remember sitting down and watching, as a kid, the very first episode, Murder by the Book. Um, and I seem to remember also, I don't know if it's changed, and maybe, David, you can answer this question for me. It's a, it's a small question, but it's always bothered me. Uh, in the opening credits, uh, where they're, they're typing, uh, I seem to always remember there was music over top of that. And whenever I've seen reruns ever since then, there's no music. Am I the only anal retentive person in the <laughs> online here who, who remembers that or what? Because I seem to remember for some reason, it always impressed me as they were typing, uh, it, it, they were typing on the typewriter. It, it was going da, 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 like a, like a typewriter that way. And uh, I was hooked uh, with that from the, the very beginning. And, um, well, I absolutely love the book, and, and you're uh, saying that's gone from the that that's gone from the syndicated print. I I, I don't think it, it, I, my memory is that it's tight. It's because again, I think it's David mentioned this basically. Is it might be just the sound of the typewriter at the beginning, and then it's scored. Yeah, it might be later. that. But, yeah, but I remember it's to mimic the sound of a typewriter later. Because mm-hmm. I was just so that that episode. I, I it's still one of my all time favorite episodes, and that's. The, one of the first ones out of, out of the box that way. And I, I love the description of you talk about it because I believe was it Larry Cohen and had something to do with the, the story. Uh, and, and the whole idea, the whole pitch was what if Levinson killed Link or Link killed Levinson? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I thought was absolutely wonderful. And I watched all of them all the way through. When they came back on ABC, I watched all those. I watched them when they were on, I believe, CBS at 1130 at night. Uh, and how uh, my wife and I got back into him again was actually pre-pandemic. She had had an accident and fallen, and I was uh, working graveyard. So we had a lot of time together during the day. And um, I had picked up the first uh, season of Columbo, and we started watching it and um, just fell in love with it all over again. And we spent that entire spring going through every episode in fact um i am such a, a big fanatic uh over the, the whole mystery movie wheel i just love that whole idea um that we went out and even we even wound up going out and getting all of the mcclouds and all the miller whites because it just felt like sunday night again you know uh and it was just, it was just wonderful but um i i loved i i became a big mystery fan at an early age and to me, this was was a real mystery, and it was not. It was something that was not being done on television at that time. It felt a little more English. It felt a little more drawing room, um, and and the level of writing of that. And one of the things I was really happy to see in the book is I had the pleasure of hearing Jackson Gillis uh, lecture one time, and um, I, my God, when I looked through his his credits. Um, you know, from the adventures of Superman, uh, old time radio, uh, virtually every series. Harry Mason. The 60s and 70s. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything that way. And 
I began to, and especially since his, one of his episodes, so Suitable Framing is another one of my favorite episodes, which I think has the best ending. To me, it has the best ending of, of all of them. That's, that's hard, but that, that's, that's my feeling. And uh, I often feel like he doesn't get enough credit uh, for a lot of stuff. And, uh, I mean, when I was a little kid, I, I watched the reruns of the Mickey Mouse Club. And they just talked about this because Tim Considine just passed away recently. And Tim Considine and um, – oh, I forgot the other kid's name. He was he was an old yeller. Tommy Kirk. Yeah, I think it was Tommy Kirk or whatever. He, yeah, Tommy Kirk. He passed yeah. recently too. Uh, they were the original Hardy Boys. Now, they were the first Hardy Boys on TV. And I watched those reruns over and over again. And I went out with my allowance and bought my first book on my own, the, the book that I wanted. And it was a Hardy Boy mystery, the very first one. Because of that, and I found out just recently when I was looking through uh, different stuff there, I found out that Jackson Gillis wrote those Hardy Boy short serials for Disney. So in a way, Jackson Gillis kind of led, unknown to me, to, to my reading habit. And uh, when I look over the episodes that he did on Columbo, um, I, I'm, I'm just really in awe of him. Jackson Gillis, one of the many writers for Columbo that David Koenig profiles in his new book, Shooting Columbo, Shooting Columbo, available wherever books are sold. David Koenig is with us, along with Joseph Doherty, Dan Farron, and Tony Figueroa. We are glad that you are with us, and we'll continue our Columbo roundtable after this quick timeout here on TV Confidential. This Week in TV History now has its own podcast you can enjoy. This Week in TV History with Tony Figueroa on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you find podcasts. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415 415- 886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.